With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with me, your host, Stephen Wallace. After a couple of podcasts rounding up the Men's Cricket World Cup, on today's show we are going back to the 1950s with cricket writer Mike Thompson. Mike has just written a book about the cricketing career of Mike Smith, the last Corinthian, more commonly known in cricket as MJK Smith. In the first of two parts, Mike chats about MJK's early career including stories of the many characters who played with Mike at Warwickshire County Cricket Club. Part two with Mike Thompson coming soon will focus on MJK's test career and in particular his time as England captain in the 1960s. Hello Mike, thanks for joining me on the Paddock and the Pavilion to talk about Mike Smith, MJK Smith, the subject of your new book, The Last Corinthian. Yeah, good afternoon. Thank you, Mike. I should say the cricketing life of MJK Smith. I've now read the uh, the whole book and enjoyed his cricketing journey during the 1950s, 60s and 1970s. How did you come to write the book? Well, I've always been, I, I started taking an interest in first class cricket in the in the 1950s. I, I'm a lot older than I look. <laughs> I was 82 days ago. and. Um, I, I always had a good regard for Mike Smith, and I got, in fact, about 50 years ago, I got the chance to meet him when I joined his uh, squash club that he opened in in Leek Wootton near near Kenilworth, and uh, I was a member there for about five years, as, as was my wife, and I had lots of chats with him about cricket. I, I also, I read um, Douglas Miller's a biography of him, which was written about 10 years ago. But he, up till that point, in my view, he was very much an unsung hero, um, although Douglas wrote an excellent biography of him. And, um, you know, but I felt it could have been, it needed a bit more amplification about his actual cricketing career because Douglas wrote it for the 
uh, cricket statisticians, and he was limited to the amount of wording words he could use in it. So, but that's how I came came to, and I rang him, and um, he he somewhat to my surprise readily agreed. Um, I think the fact I'd been a member of his squash club before helped, um, and I went up to see him in. Uh, at his flat in Warwick and stayed there a couple of nights. Um, and he very kindly also introduced me to a lot of his 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 teammates who are still alive, um, people like Dennis Amis, um, Jim Stewart, A.C. Smith, Alan Smith, who took over the captaincy from him um, after he, he resigned. Um, also David Brown and... Last but not least, Bob Barber, who um, who has also been very helpful. I went to see. I had meetings with all these, with six of his former teammates, and they were all extremely. I was well received, and they were all very, very helpful. It must have taken a long while to to compile. How long did it take to from start to um, finish? I, I probably spent just over a year um, to do the book, to do the research and, and the writing, maybe a bit long, 15 months, maybe, but I did work on it pretty, I mean, I'm retired now, but I did work on it pretty intensively for, for, um, during 19, uh, 2022, I, I spent a lot of my time doing that, doing the research and, and writing it up. But it was, I have to say it was very enjoyable because I got to talk to a lot of other former test players as well and people like jeff boycott um peter parfit um robin hobbs uh, about uh, even people like um Subaru and mickey stewart who who are both older mike's 90 now but they're both older than mike he's the third oldest uh, living test player well thanks for that mike i'd like in this podcast to find out more about Mike through his uh, long cricketing career. And we've also got some short clips from one of those people you've spoken to um, in Dennis Amis, who I caught up with oh, yeah. mm. a few weeks ago. 50 tests for England, 25 as captain, 39,000 first-class runs, 6,900 and 595 catches. But how did he first get interested and discover the wonderful game of cricket? Well, um, he he was born in um, a village in Leicestershire, um, a small village in Leicestershire. And when he was, I think he, at the age of 10, his, his parents sent him to Stamford School, which was a private school. And he really flourished at cricket there. And not only at cricket, but at sports generally, athletics, um, rugby, um, he was he he got in the um, under fourteen team uh, immediately on arriving at the age of ten, and in fact his his captain was Colin Dexter, who wrote the Inspector Morse novels. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned his name. He's not he's on my notes. It was a chance to get uh, yeah. Colin Dexter in the podcast. Yes, and uh, in fact, funnily enough, um, when Mike became first team captain. Many years later, um, Colin was in Mike's team, so he was he was one of the he was he was Mike's captain and also later captain by Mike. Um, but Mike Mike had a very good sporting career at, at Stamford. He finished up 
as captain of the cricket team for his last three years there and captain of the rugby team for two years there. And uh, he benefited from a chap called Bill Packer, who was the sportsmaster there, also taught French there, but Bill also um, was, was a former pupil of Stamford School. And he also was captain of cricket and rugby while he was there. And I think he must have seen Mike as a, a sort of reincarnation of himself. <laughs> um, but so that's, uh, that's where he, he got into it. He played, he played a couple of times for the rest against the public schools and he played for the public schools against the combined services when he was still at school. When he left school, he didn't go on to university straight away. He, um, he, he decided to do his national service first. And then I read that he, he played his first-class first game for Leicestershire in 1951. Well, that's right. That was just after he'd left school, actually, when he was still it, during the summer holidays. He, he did. It didn't go all that well. He, he, got, he got a duck. I think it was against um, North Hants, and he, 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 was, he, he got a duck. He was, um, he was caught fiddling bold nutter, which always, always amused him. Um, although it was no disgrace, really. I mean, Bert Nutter was, uh, was a very good fast bowler. He'd previously played for Lancashire. He actually joined Lancashire on the same day as, as Cyril Washbrook in 1935. But he moved to, to North Hants and he actually got five wickets against the touring Australians in, in I think, either 1948 or 1953. So, and he didn't do very well in the second innings. In fact, he also had a match against Derbyshire, um, was out twice in that match. I think he got he got four runs, five runs during the season for four times out. So his average was 1.3, 1.33, I think. <laughs> but he, so he was, went to Oxford University and he was very successful there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, after his national service, he, um, he, he, went, he, he got into... Oxford University and was in the in, in the first team in his first year. Colin Cowdery was his captain in the first year. And he had the remarkable record, Mike did, of scoring a century in each of his three varsity matches. In fact, in the first match, um, he put on 166 with Cowdery and went on to get 201 not out. In, in his first varsity match in 19, that would have been 1954. Um, but uh, when I asked him about that, he's a typical Mike, he's such a modest chap. He said, I, he said, I was lucky, really. He said, because in the first over, I snicked one and it went between the wicketkeeper and first slip and it went for four. And the wicketkeeper was, was Michael Mellish. The first slip was Dennis Silk. And these two future presidents of MCC left it for each other. And he said it was the wicketkeeper's catch, but uh, I got off the mark with a four and went on to get 201 not out. So He, he played a couple how... of seasons then for, for Leicestershire in 54 and 55. Yeah, when he was a, in his first two years at university, he played for Leicestershire after the university season had finished. And he, he did he did all right there. He, he he averaged in the late upper twenties in those two seasons, and played 
quite often as an opening bat with either Maurice Hallam or or Jerry Lester for Leicestershire. Um, but um, he didn't uh, he didn't st in in the second varsity match he got 104 I think and in the in his final year he got 117. He's the only person who's scored centuries in each of his three varsity matches. And in his last year, of course, he was captain of, 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 of the Oxford team. But he didn't play for Leicestershire in his final year because after the second year, he'd been offered, he was offered the captaincy of Warwickshire, um, which after some thought and soul searching, he decided to accept. Um, he was sorry to be leaving Leicestershire because they'd been very good to him. But he felt it was an opportunity that he couldn't uh, turn his back on um, because they were, Edgebaston was about to become a test match ground and um, it was a terrific opportunity, too good to miss. So he, he didn't, he, 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 the, the MCC wouldn't uh, let him take up the captaincy straight away if he'd played for Leicestershire. They made him take a year out of county cricket. So he, that's why he didn't play for Leicestershire in his final year. He was very young to be captain of well, 23, Warwickshire. yeah, at the age of 23, indeed. And he captained Warwickshire for 11 years, from 57 till the end of 1967, when he handed over to Alan Smith, A.C. Smith. He must have had quite a lot of older players um, he did, in the he team did. When, that, when he took he over. Did. He, he did, and he said um, he had people like Dick Spooner, um, Townsend, both of them were from the northeast. They were quite hard, hard bitten guys. Um, the opening bat, um, um, Fred Gardner, Fred Gardner, the opening bat, and and a couple of others as well. He said, but I never, they never gave me a moment's bother. He said they, um, they obviously he did well. I mean himself, so they were they were pleased to have him for his batting, and he took. He also had Eric Hollies. Famous Eric Hollies, Eric Hollies, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the guy who ruined Bradman's average. <laughs> he, Eric Hollies, um, Tom Dollery had captained Warwickshire um, to the championship in in 1951. He retired, and Hollies was asked to captain for a year. He was a very reluctant captain, Eric Hollies. He didn't really want to do the job, but. Uh, he was the he was the best choice, and he captained for one year. And when Mike took over, he played for Mike for one year, but then he he, he retired himself. But Mike wished one of Mike's great regrets was he didn't have Eric for longer because he was a fantastic bowler, and not only a fantastic bowler, a terrific character for team morale. Everybody loved Eric. The crowd, the opponents. He was he was quite a joker. Was Eric? He. Mm -hmm. According to Dennis Amos, he once uh, he'd, he'd bowled about thirty overs in one match, and the the captain asked him to come on and bowl again, and he he rode onto the the field on a bike borrowed from the groundsman, <laughs> and he used to he used to sneak into the opposition dressing room sometimes unobserved, and listen to what they were the the tactics they were talking. Eric did and. Uh, then he'd reveal his presence and say, uh, "You can say what you like, you won't win." And then he'd he'd, he'd, he'd leave the uh, 
the dressing room under a shower of <laughs> of, of, of boots and stuff thrown at him. <laughs> but he was a great joker, was Eric. I, 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 he wrote a he wrote his biography is called "I'll Spin You a Tale," which is a very good read actually. And in that, uh, he um, he was when he was in on in Australia on tour. Um, he wasn't a very good fielder. Eh? He was quite a big chap, and he was fielding. And he lo he lumbered to the boundary after about five fours without without being able to cut them off. And some wagging the crowd. Obviously, some somebody from Birmingham shouted, uh, "Don't they bury the Don't they bury the dead in Birmingham these days, Eric?" All as <laughs> quick as a flash, turned round. He says, "No, he says we stuff them and send them out to Australia." His <laughs> <laughs> uh, character was Eric, and Mike. Uh, Mike says he 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 also thinks he would have been fantastic in limited over cricket, which didn't uh, take place until. Well, after Ollie's had retired, mm. is captaincy something that um, Mike always aspired to? I mean, he started very young. Mike is—I think he enjoyed captain in the side. I don't think he particularly sought it, um, but uh, he—I he, think he, he enjoyed captaining, um, and he—he's he's regarded as a fantastic captain, um, certainly in terms of. The way that he treated players. Um, I mean, I'll just, if I can, just read you a, 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 a bit from Jim Stewart, who says it was a captain that Mike, as a captain that Mike really excelled. He was an inspiring leader who allowed the bowlers to set their own fields, never criticised fielders for drop catches, or berated batsmen for getting out cheaply, and he never made excuses for his own failures. The only things he insisted on were fitness, effort, and good behaviour. He always played to win, but never unfairly. His calmness under pressure, modesty, and good humour earned him the affection of team of re and respect of teammates and opponents alike. Mike treated everybody as equals, and under his leadership, we were a very happy band. I will forever remember a dressing room that was full of laughter, fun, and optimism. Um. You can't say much better than that, can you? No, no. I mean, Jim. Jim's a fantastic character. He's um, he's ninety next year. He played for Warwickshire from nineteen fifty two to nineteen sixty nine, and at one point he had the record. Jim did for the most number of sixes in um, in a match. He scored seventeen sixes at Blackpool in nineteen fifty nine. He got 155 in the first innings and 125 in the second innings. And that was his, 1959, was his annus mirabilis, really. And um, he, he he's, he's a terrific bloke, Jim. He, he, he's given me a lot of help with the book. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He made me laugh when he told me about his debut because he was playing against Glamorgan. It and he was 20, it would have been probably about 1958, I would think, um, or 56 maybe. And um, he said Wilf Wooler was captain of Glamorgan. Uh, Wilf Wooler was a really fearsome character, a, a, a bit of a bully, a, a Welsh rugby international. And um, there was a left-arm spinner called Willie Jones bowling at the time. And... Um, when when um, Jim went into bat, Wilf said to Willie Jones, he said, if you, get it, if you give him a single to get off the mark, you'll be on the next train back to Cardiff. They were playing at Hedgebaston. And he, Jim said, Willie, Willie actually gave me a single to get off the mark, a full toss on the leg side, he said. And he said, Will, according to Jim, Wilf carried out his threat and, uh, and, and put him back on a train to Cardiff. And he said, and later in that innings, he said, I really got hold of one. I creamed one. Wilf was fielding at mid-on, and it hit him on the chest, on the shoulder, before he had his chance to get his hands to it. And Jim said, I made the mistake of asking him if he was all right. <laughs> he, said, he said, of course I'm bloody all right. He said, hit another bugger like that, and I'll catch you. <laughs> Let's hear then from Dennis Amos for his thoughts on Mike as a captain. A very good, very astute, and he was prepared to lose a match to win a match. Um, so um, he, he was quite generous. And he's, he, I could give you lots of stories when we he left us. It was so many an hour in those days, and 65 an hour, and can't write Bannister and Brown were moaning that they'd got to go out against Roy Marshall. And if Roy Marshall got in, with, they'd win with half an hour to spare. And, and, and then they did. But the following year, same situation, Roy Marshall got out and it, it, it fizzled out into uh, a draw. So, um, but he was good at manipulating the bowlers and everything. But sometimes, you know, Cartwright, Bannister and Brown, they were very experienced. They didn't like coming back once the spinning had been on. Then the seamers had to come back and control it again. Sometimes that didn't always happen. But it, we, we had some great games of cricket. And uh, as I say, he was prepared to... Uh, uh, to um, uh, lose a match to win one. Well, thanks to Dennis for his opinion of Mike as a captain. Uh, and Mike, uh, there's an amusing story about Dennis when he was playing as a 17-year-old in 1960, a game which Mike was captain. Yes. Um, I think this is the one where... Um, it turned out, I mean, Mike has always been quite absent-minded. 
and it turned out at one point there were 12 players on the field. And I think it was Jim Stewart who called out to Mike and said, we've got 12 on the field. Dennis happened to be the one standing nearest to Mike. And Mike said, um, sorry, Dennis, can you do 12th? And uh, I think this was th this would have been Dennis's debut for Warwickshire. And um, he had to wait a lot longer to make his debut. And in fact, when he made his debut, this was against um, Middlesex. And I think he was in at number... He was due to go in at number six. And I can't remember who the two players were, but I think it was it was Billy Ibadullah and um Norman Horner. I think no, it was I think it was against Surrey actually, and they put on over four hundred for the first wicket. And um they got Surrey out twice and um and this was an unbroken stand for no wicket. So Dennis, on his on his debut, never got to bat. Dennis had joined Edgebaston, I think, at about the age of sixteen, and he was uh, he was coached by by two very famous Warwickshire coaches, Tiger Smith, who who lived to the into his nineties and uh, was a legend at Warwickshire. He'd actually played for England as wicketkeeper before the First World War. Tiger had, and um, he was Warwickshire's head coach. And then there was another chap called Darif Taylor, who was a very good coach as well. I mean, he was, Darif Taylor was a West Indian who had, had come over to England to fight in the Second World War. And, and he was in the same regiment, I think, as Tom Dollery, um, who was captain of Warwickshire. And after the war, Tom invited Reef to Warwickshire to play as a player, and he played it. He played a bit for Warwickshire. He wasn't a top player, but they, he then finished up as a coach. And he he was a brilliant coach, particularly with youngsters. And in fact, Jim Stewart told me he said he said um, he said I, he said uh, I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't deal with Tiger. He was he he, he wasn't right for me. He said and he had, Tiger, in fact, finished up handing me over to Darif Taylor for coaching because they were both. Uh, I mean, I mean, Jim, uh, Jim, Jim started at Warwickshire when he was about seventeen or eighteen. On the, actually, on the same day as Tom Cartwright, um, who, who they were great mates. They both came from Coventry. And they used to travel up by train to Edgebaston. Jim, Jim said, I used to hate it in the evening. He said, when we had to bowl at the members, he said, we never got back home until after nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to hear more from Dennis in. Part two of MJK Smith, The Last Corinthian, when we'll be talking about his test career, which began in 1958. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.